0: Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, and we are in need of your presence. We have felt your presence here, and may you continue to guide and continue to bless us as we continue our worship of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, do we have it up on the screen, Mr. Grant? There we go. How many of you wear glasses? Quite a few of us. Yep. Have you ever lost your glasses? How many want to confess that? <laughs> Have you, I still remember when I walked out of the optometrist's office in eighth grade, when they finally gave me contacts. And I could see it was an evening it was dark but i could see the neon signs were crisp and they were clear and i could actually see and make out the letters of the signs on the on the road thankfully i got glasses before i started driving i we i had one friend just recently on facebook say so we went to get her her learning permit and ended up at the optometrist so she had to get the glasses, of course. But being able to see, being able to have that vision, being able to have that clarity is so important, especially for students who are learning, especially for adults who are driving, especially for adults who are learning, to, to or who are continuing to read and continuing their education. Very, very important to be able to see. Anybody know who this guy is? Toured around China for 24 years, left Venice, went through China in the 1200s, 13th century. He was a trader and explorer. When he came back to Venice, he discovered that Venice was at war with Genoa. He was then captured and he was put in prison where he wrote down his ex- explorations. Christopher Columbus then read The Explorations of Marco Polo and was inspired for his discoveries of the New America. But we're not talking about Marco Polo today. We're talking about the classic pool game. Marco Polo, any, you know? Do you remember playing that in the summertime? Who's been swimming already this summer? Already been swimming this summer? Only a couple? It's been hot enough. Who's been on this giant slip and slide so far this summer? <laughs> a couple of my kids went last Sunday, yes? But the classic game Marco Polo. You know how to play the game? One person has chosen, cho- chosen to be it. He calls out Marco and all the, other, all the other ones, they call out Polo. And it's an auditory kind of way. It's an auditory placement way to play tag. The person who's it, though, what does he do with his eyeballs? He has to have them closed. Now, there's different ways to play the game. If you think that someone is out of the water, what do you say? Fish out of water. And if the person really is out of water before he jumps back into the pool, that person is next it. It's a different way to play the game, a different way to play tag. It's hard to find your friends, though, when your eyes are closed. But it's Marco. Polo, that's part of the game, not being able to see. Having physical vision and having spiritual vision and a vision for our lives are very similar. If we do not have a direction for where we are going, it is very easy for us to be able to stumble, to fall, to drown in Marco Polo. We're prone to it. As the hymn goes, hymn 108, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now God has given me a vision. God has shown me that he is my savior, and that I now see. The Bible is pretty clear on our need for vision. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision. The people cast off restraint. I want you to meditate on that just a moment. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Some translations will say where there is no revelation, no prophetic revelation. But what does that, what does that really mean? Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Restraint. If you have no direction, if you don't feel a purpose, you cast off restraint. You do whatever feels good. You, you, you live the Burger King way, the Burger King life. You know, Burger King's motto a few years ago used to be, have it your way. And if there is no vision guiding your life, your feelings guide your life. Have it your way. Oswald Chambers. I've been reading through my utmost for his highest. Powerful little book. Amazing little book. Just a couple days ago, this is what he said, about. I think it was about a week and a half ago. He says, When once we lose sight of God... We begin to be reckless. We cast off certain restraints. We cast off praying. We cast off the vision of God and little things and begin to act on our own initiative. If our life lacks purpose, lacks a vision, lacks a dream of God, even a big dream of God that might scare you at times, then we're just going to do what we feel be- what is best for us. And our life actually lacks integrity. Mrs. C, I enjoyed what you said about integrity last night. That was powerful. It's good things for these students to hear. Good things for adults to hear as well. Someone of integrity, someone who is cordial, congenial, someone who is uh, chivalrous was the word you used because they have a purpose, putting other people's feelings above your own. Just recently, for Mother's Day, I gave my wife a piece of artwork. It was a metal cutout that I had the students, the metal the industrial, industrial art students cut out this little metal outline. Three words. I haven't yet got it mounted up on the wall yet. But it's kind of like the vision. It's almost the mission for our, for our family a little bit. It says, only love today. Only love today. Putting others above ourselves. Having that vision, we're going to be praying for those divine moments where we can show other people love and give other people love. We're going to be praying for God's vision to fulfill our lives, to do what he wants us to do, having only love today. Now, if you take your worship bulletin, and if you look on the very front page under the picture of the daffodil, you notice there is a short sentence, a long sentence, a short paragraph. How about that? which is our church's mission. And I think that our church has a wonderful mission. I think it is key to have this mission forefront in our minds. As a church family, we are called by God to mentor children and youth to have a personal, lifelong relationship with Jesus, expressing itself through service. How many of you think that that's a wonderful mission to have? I think it's great. We are here on the academy campus. If the students were not here, I mean, this is probably about what we would be if the students were not here. Understood. Of course, some of of us are staff that may not be here, but we're here for the students. We're here for the elementary school. We're here for this academy. And I think that this vision lines up, this mission lines up wonderfully with the purpose of our church. How many of us could recite that mission by heart? Any takers? Ideals look really good on paper, visions are actually doing the work of the mission. question i have are we implementing this mission are we practicing the mentorship are we encouraging our young people to be connected with us as church members as well as connected with jesus most importantly so they can have that lifelong relationship with jesus these are questions that it's good to ask at times. Now, most of the students are not here today. They're at ASB Church. So, and maybe I'm a little premature in talking about this because they're not going to really be back. The majority of the students are not going to be back until next fall when they come back in August. But what can we be preparing ourselves for over the summer for when they return? Maybe a good question to ask ourselves how many young people do I speak with on a given Sabbath? Do I go to my Sabbath school class, pick up my kids, if we're parents, and then just find a place to sit? Here's something that's a little bit strange. Who sits over here? Most of the students do. Sometimes you'll see a couple staff on supervision. What do you see in that? <laughs> Segregation. Right? What I would love to see, I'd love to see, even though students are, here, are not here today, I would love to see A couple more families spread out over here. And I know that it's hard sometimes when they have their own little student groups and it's great when I see students mingling over here and over here. And here's the thing. Adults, we don't like change. We like to sit in our same seat each Sabbath. I know where the Kilmers sit every Sabbath. If they're not there, I don't know where they are. Right? I know the Santees are usually right about there. I definitely know the Castro Hones are up about three or four rows from the front, just off to the left. Oh, you're, always, you're always right behind Thelma. Oh, always right behind Thelma. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But what if, it would th- I think it might throw the students coming back in August for a little bit of a loop. What if maybe, Coons, you guys came and sat over here? No. no. <laughs> Now, of course, Ryan's going to go sit over there with his friends, you know, because he's going to be a high schooler next year. Or, uh, Larry, what if you sat over there? I think you'd be enjoying that, yeah? How many young people do we talk to that we don't really know each Sabbath? That would be a wonderful way to connect with these young people and say, hey, you're important to us. This church is a place for you, and we want you to feel welcome here. The vision that we have, I think it is beautiful. I think it is wonderful. We have this joint goal of seeing these young people raised up to be followers of Jesus. Let's do that vision. Let's practice it. Ideals, they look good on paper. But unless we carry it out, ideals can lull us to ruin. I mean, we've got our conference youth director here today. Isn't that a good vision we have on paper? But what if we're not carrying it out? Yeah. We need to be careful about that. And we need to be intentional about that as well. And you know, it's not doing a whole lot more. It's being friendly. It's being welcoming. So I challenge you, write this down, because it's going to be a couple months away when all the students are back write this down and say i will say hi to 3 high school students every sabbath next year maybe then you might invite them for a home cooked meal too they'd like that and i know i know that we do those things i know i'm not keeping my eyes closed to this all i know it happens but i kind of want i haven't seen it happening a ton i wonder what would happen if what, what would take place if it happened Intentionally, even more. Well, I'd like to share a little bit from the life of Abraham as we continue talking a little bit about vision and then share a little bit of our story to go along with this. But if you'd open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, looking at the life of Abraham and the vision that God gave him was quite an incredible vision. left the familiar, left his family, left what was normal to him. Genesis chapter 12, just begin with verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's a great call. It's a great vision that God gave Abraham. Do what I'm asking you to do and I will bless you. Verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Quite the incredible life of Abraham. God changed his name from High father, the father of many nations. He gave him multitudes of descendants, but he had to go through some pretty hard knocks to get there. He went his own way with Hagar and Ishmael, did his own thing in Egypt, and half lying about his half sister Sarah. But God still led him to become the father of many nations, the father of several world religions came from Abraham, and at many times it might have looked entirely crazy to the people around him, but Abraham did what God asked him to do when when Abraham and Lot their, their shepherds were fighting over the land, they divided up the land okay, and, and Abraham he gave the younger the opportunity to choose first. when the younger stood turned around and said, "No father, Abraham, Uncle Abraham, you are my elder, and you should choose first." But no, he let Lot choose the fertile, fertile plain of, Sodom, of the Sodom Valley. People would have thought that was crazy. But that's what Abraham did. He still followed God's lead whenever God called him. Our family is feeling a little bit like Abraham right now. Heading off into the unknown, slightly. If you were not with us last week as I shared, it is time for us to be moving on from Upper Columbia Academy. And we are saddened because we're going to be leaving some great friends, made some great relationships, got to know some wonderful people. We are excited to be following God's lead. And some people think we might be just a little bit crazy, like Abraham was. So I want to share a little bit of our story, not to boast about anything, but to share how God has led and how God can lead in each of our lives. Because some, I know some of you are saying, why are you leaving us? You're our great, wonderful pastor. God's called. And we're going to respond to that call. So I want to share how God has been leading us through four different avenues. I kind of wish that God spoke to us like he spoke to Abraham. (laughs) Audibly, right? God doesn't usually do that anymore. I think probably because if he did that, we'd get frightened although I know I've, I've heard of some people who said, yeah, God spoke to me audibly, I heard the voice. But this is the way that God has spoken to us. God's leading us through four different avenues, through our passions and impressions, through wisdom from the counsel of believers, through his word and inspired writings, and through open and shut doors. That's how we've seen God leading. And let me just share a little bit of, of how that's taken place. I made myself some bullet points so I'd remember to hit everything. Sometimes I could ramble on if I didn't. <laughs> So, as anybody knows—well, so, not probably not anybody. Pastor Jim would know pretty well. Um, Paula would know. Um, let's see who else has either been a pastor or pastor's family. Pastor Jeff would know. Pastoral life is not always easy. Some people say, "Oh, come on, it's easy, pastor. You only work one day out of the week." you only work on sabbath right especially not at an academy church teaching planning organizing being a part of the academy it's been great it's been wonderful we have absolutely loved it we know that god led us here but there's things of stress there's things of times when i have given so much to the church and so much to the school that i get home and i cannot give anything more to my growing family And every decision that we have made for moving, for changing, for responding to God's call has been in response to what is best for our family. And I want to be there for my kids and raise my kids. I I came from a pastor's family. My dad actually got out of regular pastoring when I was young, went into administration. He's still an administrator. But there were times that he wasn't around. And I want to be there for my kids. And so... Making a career change is frightening, but we feel like we're following God's lead. So there, So, being a pastor, through my, through my 10 years of being a pastor, there have been times when I've thought, you know, this is pretty tough work. If I was not a pastor, what would I do? Several times, you know, as, as we process through the years, we think that. And maybe, Jim, you've never thought of that. <laughs> but some pastors never think of it. Some do. So we started to process, started to think a little bit. About a week and a half ago on Tuesday, God impressed me as I was doing some yard work, as I started thinking about what else is there. I thought of hospital chaplaincy while I was helping Nereza and Rosie in the Sanford family with uh, the passing of Esteban. I saw Chaplain Adam, which is one of our Seventh-day Adventist chaplains at Sacred Heart, ministering and working. I thought, That'd be something that I could do. That was back in November. Now here in May, I started thinking about it again. I said, ah, but you know what? I don't know if I really want to go be a hospital chaplain. It's very similar to the line of work that I'm doing. Then I just had an impression, what about a nurse? And I thought, huh, a nurse? I would have to go back to school. How would we support ourselves? It'd take a little while. I threw the idea out of my mind. And I said, no not doing that four or five days later Saturday evening my wife and I are sitting down talking together after the kids have gone to sleep and we start talking about options in the future and what we're going to do and this and that and we talk briefly about hospital chaplaincy and then my wife all of a sudden out of the blue guess what she says what about being a nurse and I go what? Yeah, that's kind of exciting. It's kind of new, but I want to make sure I'm not doing it just to be something new and exciting. We started processing through that. As God had impressed me, God impressed my wife to say a similar thing, the same thing. And I've seen how, as I've interacted with couples and families, I've seen how God will impress one spouse one one way, and another spouse, the other spouse, the same way. They come together without even talking about it and said, I was impressed the same way. I've seen how God leads in that way and directs us in that way. So we you know we were we were, we were going to be continuing on here as you know as your pastor and we were committed to that. But then God started impressing us this way. I even did a survey for the students to ask them how church has been, how we can improve church. We may continue to do something like that for the adults and for our, our church families. So I'll be looking for that possibly. I'll be working with my head elder on how we're going to be doing that. I started a student worship council that I hope continues so we get feedback from the students so that all groups are included. And we were committed to being here. But we had that conversation and just out of the blue, Karen says, what about being a nurse? Now back the story up a few weeks, even before the impression came. I was planning to go to the Exceed conference in Loma Linda with the rest of the staff. There were different little workshops that we had to sign up for and I was looking through the the list of the workshops and some things didn't really interest me. The things that really did interest me that I signed up for was a brain tour, an MRI brain tour, little conference lab. The next thing that kind of shocked me that I was really interested in was the cadaver lab where you look at the Muscles and the bones of a human being. (laughs) And I thought, whoa, that would be really awesome to check out. So I told my wife that after I signed up for them. And she said, aren't you, maybe you should have been like a scientist or a doctor or something. So maybe that got the process started or thinking or whatever. Never know, never know. Anyway, that night we decided that if this is something that God really wanted us to do, we felt like he was impressed us that way. My wife needed to go back to work. And we needed a way to support Our family, So we started looking into that. And so the impressions that we were getting, the passions that I had to to be able to continue to work with people and for people was something that was really, really exciting for me. And then we got the wisdom of the Council of Believers. The next day, I called my really good friend. Her name is Julie. She's a nurse. She was actually my chaplain when I was in academy. So she has a ministry background, a kind of a chaplaincy ministry background. And I talked with her about the possibility of me changing careers, going back to school, becoming a nurse. And she said, you know what? I just had a conversation with one of my new colleagues who was a pastor who became a nurse. And she said, I immediately thought of you and the skill set that you have and the ability that you could have to touch these lives of these people. And I took that as another God moment of impression and the counsel of the believers. So she started talking with her new colleague. And he said, and she asked him, why do you enjoy being a nurse? And he said, because I'm able to do ministry with my hands and be able to touch the lives of people the way that Jesus touched and ministered and healed people. Those of you who are nurses listening know what that's like. So I started getting really a bit more excited about this. And those of you who know me know that I love to work with my hands in the Crater roll room. There's a boat. I know I haven't signed it. But I created that for the Crater roll class. So they could rock, 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 see the boat on the water. I love doing things with my hands. So Sunday night we started looking for possible jobs for my wife. There was a listing at Auburn as registrar. Roxanne Wickward resigned from Auburn. I don't know what she's doing, uh, but we put in my wife's resume for registrar at Auburn. By Tuesday, they already had someone in the the works. They were interviewing. They actually offered the job to that person. So that was actually one of those shut doors. I called more of my good friends. I called Pastor Bill Roberts, who is the ministerial secretary in Washington. He was my church pastor, my academy pastor when I was at Auburn Academy. Asked for his counsel, and he continued asking questions, and we continued processing. And as as, as we continued to get the counsel of the wisdom of the believers, we continued to notice that God was affirming and confirming this call that he had upon our lives, that we needed to... Take a step back from the pastoral stress of the ministry and shift our ministry to a medical ministry, to touching ministry, to, to a healing ministry. And I don't want anyone to think that we are leaving because of some conversation or something that you have said or done to, to me or my family. Not at all. I've had a couple of conversations where they're like, not I didn't really mean for you to leave when I said this and that. I said, no, 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 no. God's calling us. This church has been wonderful for our family. We have been, we have felt so blessed to be a part of this congregation, this church family, because of the acceptance and the love that we receive for our kids and for our family. And like I said, we're sad to we are we are sad to be going. We're, we're going to be sad to be living on campus, where you just step outside and you can have an instant play date with other kids and other, other like-minded people. But we're feeling God's call in our heart. So we gather the wisdom of the counsel of the believers. And then the third way that I've seen God leading, and I think he leads this, all of us in these kinds of ways, through his word and through his inspired writings. Through my personal worship time, I've been reading through my utmost for his highest, reading through the Bible, the verse for the day, reading through another book called Uprising. And as I was reading on Monday morning, this was a week ago, over a week ago, almost almost two weeks ago. I was reading on Monday morning as we were wrestling with these decisions, trying to make sure that this is what God wanted us to do. I was reading through a, ch- a chapter in Uprising on humility. And he was talking about Jesus being humble. And Jesus' constant prayer was not my will, but your will be done. And we continue to pray this prayer. God, we want your will to be done in our lives. The next morning, I read a passage that I believe, I read of two sentences from that same book, inspired, right? It was an, I believe that this author was, was um, impressed by God to write this book. It's called Uprising, Erwin McManus, if you want to look it up two sentences near the end of this chapter on humility. And I, I believe that it was meant for me that morning. It does not matter anymore what anyone else thinks or what others say. It only matters if you live and die fulfilling the mission you were born for. Talking about humility again. As a pastor, we shouldn't think of what others think or feel or say about us. True. But... I'm a very people person and I I, I want harmony and I want restoration. And sometimes it's hard for me as a pastor to have that kind of a feeling because I'm concerned about that. But that was, I believe, spoken just for me. And then this week, as I was reading through Oswald Chambers and this discussion on Abraham, choosing which side he was going for with the Valley of Sodom or he's going to go to the hills for his flocks. Letting Lot choose. This is what, and, if you're, and sometimes we choose ways that appear foolish in the eyes of others. God sometimes allows you to get into a place of testing where your own welfare would be the right and proper thing to consider if you are not living a life of faith. But if you are living a life of faith, you will joyfully waive your right and leave God to choose for you total surrender to God, total living the life of faith, stepping out, and I've been telling people, this is not just a step of faith, it's a leap of faith. Totally. Because this is something that, we've, I've always thought that I am going to be a Seventh-day Adventist pastor until the day I die. And the reality of it is, I still will be. I still will be. Ministering in a different way than the pastoral way. But I'll still be a pastor as I'm ministering and praying for people and and touching them and helping them feel better in this sense. And then again this week as we're continuing to process through all the puzzle pieces, there's always these feelings of unrest or feeling like, okay God, did we make the right decision at times? Because sometimes a puzzle piece doesn't quite fit and so you gotta change it moves another one in there from numbers chapter 6 24 through 26 the priestly blessing the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance upon you anybody know the last line and give you peace and i read that it was like wednesday or thursday this week and i was just like ah, thank you lord for giving me peace, giving us peace. Then, the fourth way of God's leading open and shut doors. This is like laying out the fleece kind of thing, as Gideon laid out the fleece, see if the doors are open or shut, see if this is the way that God is leading. So, uh, as we were looking for my wife's position, looking for a job on Monday, still deciding on this, you know, two weeks, almost two weeks ago. Gave the resume in, into Auburn. I actually know the, princi- the new principal who's going there. I know him personally. He was one of my, uh, one of my teachers at Auburn, Peter Fackenthal. He's going to be the new principal. And um, submitted the resume. And then we were wondering maybe if there were any openings for teaching, because my wife's a teacher, teaching positions in Upper Columbia. Because we didn't want to uproot our kids and we didn't want to leave. I mean, it would have been great if there was an opening at, at uh, PCA for her to teach. There was no openings except for I called Rochelle on Monday at the conference and I said, "What openings do you have?" I've got a friend from college who is interested in a job placement. (laughs) And Rochelle was said, "Well, who's who's? What's her name? You know, who's this friend from college? Have we seen her resume yet?" I said, "No, you haven't seen her resume yet. Are there any openings you have, Rochelle?" Trying to skirt around the issue because we weren't telling people yet. We're still deciding. Well, yes, we we filled the Bonner's Ferry one, and now we have one. There is an opening at Yakima for 7th and 8th, math and science. Who's the person that you're, what's your name? Okay, I'll give you a name. Her name is Melissa. Now I do, that was a, okay, that was only a slight little white lie, because I do have a friend who is a teacher whose name is Melissa. Nathan, you know her. Tuesday morning, my wife called Rochelle and said, yes, I'm interested in that position. <laughs> and so Rochelle said, quick, get your resume over to Renee Young at, at, the, at, at Yakima and see where it goes. My wife is certified in math science with a junior high endorsement, which is exactly what Yakima was looking for. Exactly. Exactly. Five minutes after my wife sent the resume to the principal, she called her and said, Yes, 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 set up an interview for this previous Monday evening. We went down Monday evening. Karen had the interview. Renee walked Karen out the door. And by the time Renee got back to the board meeting, they had approved her to work at Yakima. Sometimes God moves fast, very fast. And we feel like we have been in this whirlwind over the last two weeks. But being in that whirlwind in the palm of God's hand is the best place to be. So open and shut doors. Open, shut the door for Auburn. Open the door for Yakima. In Yakima, I can take prerequisite classes, my, all my science classes for nursing at Yakima Community College. And then they also have a Washington State University School of Nursing on the campus of Yakima Community College. So in two years, after my prerequisites, I can get my bachelor's of nursing, which is pretty cool, pretty, inter- pretty, pretty amazing for me. To, if, if I'm accepted to the program, if I score high enough on all my anatomy and physiology and biochemistry and life and aging and all those things. <laughs> so God, we've seen God moving. We've seen God working. We've seen him opening these doors, closing these doors now the door that we're waiting for to open, of course, is housing. And that's kind of the last piece of the puzzle right now. Where are we going to live? Where is he going to have us in a safe place in Yakima where we can grow our family and we can honor and glorify him? So as God leads, maybe, you, you know, maybe you've recognized some of your own story of how God has led in your life through passions, impressions, or wisdom from others or from the word of God and impressing you or maybe from open and closed doors. That's how I've noticed how God has led in the lives of many people. I want to give you three short Bible verses for direction that have encouraged me these past few days. Jeremiah 29, 11, of course, is people would say the classic one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. God's got you in the palm of his hand. He knows the direction you're going. Now, I'm not saying that everyone here should uproot their families and change their career and move on to somewhere else. But what is God calling you to do right here, right now? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. As Karen and I have been talking more and more about this, we've been talking about all the details that go into it. And we just keep saying, God's got a plan for us. God is going to show us where and when and how to do it. And it's, it's, it's frightening. Quite frightening. But fear and faith actually go together. Because fear, of course, is the unknown. Many times faith, we act because there is unknown as well. Third verse, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This one is one of my all-time favorites. Because the world can be such a crazy, wild place, we need that peace of God. And when we're focused on Jesus, he gives us that Peace. As, as with any decision, after you make that decision and you feel unrest, that may not have been the right decision. But if, after you make that decision and you feel at peace, we have noticed in our experience that that is how God works. Really briefly, as we were deciding to come here to UCA five years ago, we had an opportunity to go to Carmichael in Sacramento. They wanted me to interview for the youth pastor position at Carmichael. We wrestled with that. We almost bought tickets to go and check it out. And we finally said, not for us. And as soon as we said that, we felt peace. Perfect peace. As we've been talking about changing careers, being able to spend more time with my kids after a few years of schooling. I know schooling is going to be tough. But being able to do that, we have felt the same feeling we had when we said no to Carmichael. That feeling of peace. So maybe you've recognized how God has led in your life. How he maybe has given you vision. He's given this church a vision for the young people here and I encourage every one of us to reach out and to touch the lives of these young people. And I challenge you as well to seek his vision for your life. I hope and I pray that I was not long-winded today. I actually kind of was, 35 to 40 minutes, but it was a long story. No one noticed, right? Maybe we should all stand up. (laughs) But I also pray and hope that the explanation that I've given has been um, clear in your minds as to how God has led us. Because, yes, sometimes we feel like we're crazy. The other day I said, Karen, are we crazy doing this? She said, no. God is leading. He's guiding us. He's directing us. Let us pray together. Lord God, as we have looked at your scriptures of leading Abraham as I have shared how God has led in our family, I pray that you continue to lead in the lives of this community. That you would reveal yourself to them. That you would show your vision for them. That they may follow what you have in store. Keep us focused on you. Keep us committed to you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.